Hello and welcome everyone to the Inspire Tomorrow podcast. This is episode number seven. I am Joe Lawrence and I want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining us as we learn to lead with purpose today so that we can inspire tomorrow. If you will like what you're here today and you want to continue listening, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. Today, we have Celeste Headley. She is an award-winning journalist with over 19 years experience working with NPR and the Georgia Public Broadcasting. Her work has been featured on CNN and BBC, just to name a few. She had a TED Talk that hit over 11 million views. It went viral. Her topic was 10 ways to have better conversations. And this led to her writing a book titled, We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations that Matter. She is an expert interviewer and she literally wrote the book on conversation. So it was uh, quite intimidating having this conversation with her. However, here we go. Celeste, welcome to the Inspire Tomorrow podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, uh, now your TED Talk was amazing. It's one, you're very entertaining and the points were great. And I can see why it hit so many views and just went viral because conversations are something that is so important. We all think we're good at it and we learn very quickly that we're not. So what kind of got you on this path to wanting to help others become better conversationalists? Um, I actually did not think the the TED talk would go viral. <laughs> um, when I wrote it, I thought it was a, I thought, you know, I was really concerned and passionate about it because I'm a journalist and I have these conversations constantly and I've, I've seen the degradation of both political and societal conversation over the years of, of my journalism career, 18 or 18 years. Um, but I thought it would be pretty boring to other people. Um, so, you know, I didn't get my haircut. <laughs> I put on an old work blazer <laughs> to go do it. I honestly did not in a million years did not think that talk would go viral, but it, you know, it did, which to me speaks to the fact that, you know, possibly a lot of people are uh, recognizing that something is going wrong, that something is missing and are looking for solutions. I think the reason why it went viral personally is it's one of those kind of funny things. It's one of those problems that people probably didn't even realize they had. You know, most of us think we are good at conversation. And I think you highlighted that problem and you kind of show it in a way that's like, oh, that is me. Kind of like the microwave. You never really knew you needed it until you saw it in play. And I think that's kind of how that's my my impression of your actual TED Talk itself. Is this one of those things that you showed me many areas where I am deficient and you presented it in a way where I was like, huh, I kind of like that. You know, it wasn't you live up your your advice and, uh, that you give in your book and oh thanks what i want to do is i just want to kind of ask you a question and this will kind of guide us down a little bit further but my personal thoughts are as a leader i think it's my responsibility to control the culture and the flow of communication within the organization why do you think it is so important to have good communication in an organization well, in an organization, especially, you know, you're, you're, there's a couple things. Um, first of all, we have the, we have this uh, delusion of intimacy. 
In other words, the people that we are closest to, both in our in our families and in our workplaces, those are the people with whom we oftentimes communicate the worst. Um, and by that, I mean that when when this is studied, when conversations in workplaces and at home are is studied, um, that conversation is turns out to be inefficient and ineffective. In other words, um, people don't actually take from my speech the message that I want them to, and I don't hear from others what they're really saying. So we're not really communicating well uh, most of the time. And that's because we spend so much time with people, we think they know stuff that they don't know. We make assumptions about their understanding. So we take shortcuts in our speech that we wouldn't take with a perfect stranger. You, you get me? And and this ends up being a, a huge problem when it comes to conversation. And that becomes a problem, problem con, uh, organizationally because you, you can't effectively <laughs> get anything done if you, if you can't coordinate and you can't um, work together and both delineate tasks and uh, give updates on progress. I mean, how are you going to get anything done? So um, the the closer you are as a team, the smaller and more intimate your office place is, sometimes that means the worse your communication is. So you're just talking about like the shortcuts in speech where I've noticed before where Say I'm telling telling a story to my spouse or to a friend, and there's some minute details that I don't have that I didn't capture. And I know sometimes I have the tendency, whether it's, I don't think I do it on purpose, but I fill in those gaps because I don't want a gap in the story. Is that kind of like what you're talking about, where we will fill in the gaps of what we assume was communicated? Yes, it can be, although it sounds like you are filling in gaps that most people don't fill in. Um, so a lot of times, let's say that you're at, at work and, and it's a coworker that you've worked with for years and you say to them, um, look, the memo didn't come until 4 p.m. So listen, going forward, blah, 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 blah. What you've just done is you've assumed that that other person knows why it's a bad thing that the memo didn't come until 4 p.m. You've made a, an assumption about their understanding that they may not have. Um, and they may not call you out because we have a hard time saying we don't, when we don't know stuff, it, it, part of us is like, oh, I guess I should know what, why that's bad. And so we don't say anything. And so there's these gaps in comprehension and understanding that we leave. You know, they've even done studies and found out that native English speech speakers are the worst communicators for this very reason. We use inside jokes, we use obscure references, and we leave out information. We assume that everyone is sort of part of our group, part of our tribe, right? And speaks the same language that we do, and they they don't. And this this can become a real problem. And it becomes even worse if instead of having face-to-face or voice-to-voice conversations, you're using email most of the time. Because email is just a disastrous communication tool for almost every form of communication. Almost. There's about four things it does well. But everything else, it's terrible. I, I couldn't agree more. I tell you, most of my workplace <laughs> issues have been tone from an email that I've mistaken or somebody I've worked with or even my bosses. Sometimes they'll mistake my tone and that, that usually turns into some fun conversations. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I do. I, I agree completely with that, that we do we'll assume some of that information sometimes. And we think that the other person just they should know. And in your book, you actually talk about a study done 
with uh, nurses doing turnover on a shift and how, yeah, you know, in my, in the military and in just a lot of, a lot of work organizations, there is, you know, turnover. It's 24 hour operations to where you are turning something over to somebody else. Sometimes it's an eight hour turnover. Sometimes it's a 12 hour turnover, but you have a lot of information that's lost. You have any advice on how to do more, I guess, a more accurate and more effective turnover to where you're not losing key information? Yeah, I think the best solution to that is your checklist, right? I mean, that was the revolution that Atul Gawande um, really tried to bring to medicine, at least. But it's applicable to almost any industry. There is, you know, there's this trade-off in industries, and they they call it... um, uh, Eto, E-T-T-O, and, and Eto is, is, is just basically saying you can either be um, totally uh, efficient or you can do a good job. <laughs> that's, that's basically what, what that means. In other words, um, when you are working on a job, especially when it's, it's, it's uh, something that requires doing the same things over and over, you have the efficiency thoroughness trade-off. And, and if you're going to be efficient, meaning you're going to get things done quickly and in a short enough period of time, you can't always do them well. You can't be thorough. And if there's a number of people all sort of doing the same sort of things, checking on patients when it comes to uh, the medical setting, but in the military, I'm sure there's tons of things that just get done by the by different people over and over on a daily basis. Oftentimes, people will assume someone else did it, and and so that's where mistakes happen. And when they study mistakes that occur in like factories and and hospitals, and they're like, well, how could someone not have checked the emergency door, right? Or how could someone have left this particular lever, lever off? What they find is this efficiency thoroughness trade-off that you can either be completely efficient, and that means quick and getting everything done, or you can do a really, really thorough job. You can't do both. But the a compromise in the middle is to have these checklists. And we can have them sometimes in our minds. When it comes to conversation, this can be a mental checklist where you're just basically going down the list. Do, did I do this? Am I present? Am I paying attention? And in your workplace, it's the same thing with communication. Did I make sure I said this, 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 this before I leave the job? And because that's not happening in uh, medical arenas, it leads to a lot of miscommunication. It leads to a lot of mistakes. And in that particular case, that's a fatal, sometimes fatal mistake. Now, do you have a personal checklist when you're having a conversation with someone, when you really want to have a conversation that matters? I know in your TED Talk, you discussed 10 rules for conversation. Is there, in your book, you touch on all of them. And, uh, Is there like a mental checklist that you have? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I say is um, the first thing in my thing is focus because that's that's difficult for me. I have adult ADD at every moment of every day. I have to kind of remind myself to focus. Um, And then the second thing I'd ask myself is what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they really saying? And that's something I ask myself almost like a mantra over and over and over just to pull myself back to not just the words they're using, but making sure that I'm really understanding what they're saying. And oftentimes I don't. And I I have to ask questions. 
So, you know, some of the tips in my talk, because, you know, asking good questions and asking open-ended questions is one of the tips. I don't have to have that as a checklist because truly understanding what someone else is saying leads to questions. Um, and the final thing I always tell myself as a checklist is before I walk away, I just remind myself, end well, end well, end well. Thank them for talking to me. Be friendly. Smile at them. And, and make sure that they feel comfortable enough that they would want to talk to me again, even if we disagreed. That's important. And again, I can say, you know, we know each other on a personal level. And I could tell you that you are definitely really good at that because, <clears throat> excuse me, well, you and I have, I think, drastically different political views. And, and oh, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> but, you know, we've had many debates on uh, social media and just discussions and yeah we i mean we've disagreed and then but we've always ended well and i know uh and you're you know you talk about we demonize those we you know we tend to demonize those that we disagree with it's either you're all for me you're all against me and i know you touched on it earlier when we first started talking about the political scene and how horrible conversations are and how we automatically just you know, I, I don't like you because you believe, you know, Trump should be the president. And I don't like you because you think Hillary, should, you know, and vice versa and all these different political views that we have. Um, I will definitely say that's awesome that you do live that. Now, have you seen any good strategies on how to, I guess, end well? How do you disagree with some or how do you speak with somebody that you disagree with so adamantly? However, you still find a way to end well. So the first thing is you you actually have to be aware of your own mind, right? You have to be present. And the reason I say that is because at some point it's possible that you are going to become defensive or angry. Um, and you need to be aware of when that's happening so that you can cut the conversation off. You don't want to keep the conversation going to a point where you're going to say something you don't mean or where you've stopped actually having respect for the other person. Every, every person deserves respect. Not every opinion, but every person. So if you are past the point where you're able to provide that, it's time to end. Um, so first, be very aware of, of where you are. Be present in the moment and be aware of your own feelings and your own thoughts. And when that happens, I usually just say to them, listen, I am getting worked up. <laughs> I'm getting upset and that is not, that is not helpful. I'm going to say something I don't mean and then regret it later. And I, I don't, I don't want to turn this into an argument, but thank you so much. I know it's hard to share, share opinions, um, that are controversial. And I, 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 you know, let's put a pin in this until I'm in a better mindset and thank you. Now, I've had a mentor once he told me, uh, you know, because a lot of times if we take this to the work arena, it's a much different story when, you know, you have a disagreement with the direction your boss is going or something they want to do and you don't think it is the right path. Obviously, you can't always just end the conversation and walk away because, you know, you have action items that you have to do and you adamantly disagree with them. Um, I had a mentor once tell me you could apply the two but sirs to where, hey, we got this problem. This is what we want to do. I want to go this direction. You're like, but sir. I don't think that's a good idea because of this, you know, some, uh, some kind of logical reasoning. And you're like, I understand that, but we're going to do this. But sir, if we do that, this is the impact it's going to have on our team. So you go with the logic and then you go with the overall impact. 
and then they may or may not, you know, realign their plan. But once they say, nope, this is what we're going to do, then you just kind of got to go with it and say, okay, well, I disagree, but hey, let's do it. I'm on, you know, we got to align and go. So I do like that. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I used to use the same thing with my son because when he was trying new foods, I told him he had to have two no thank you bites. He uh, couldn't just say gross. He's allowed to not like different foods, but he has to try it twice. And then he can say no thank you. I like <laughs> same, that. Same concept. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> steal away. I like it. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, but he talks a lot about acts of service. and that's how he brings together people with different viewpoints. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this is uh, he talks about, you know, if you and I, we have completely different thoughts. Let's just take the current political scene where you have, you know, people adamantly believe one thing and another. They typically would never, ever come together. However, our kids go to the same school. And so if we say, hey, let's do a project where we paint the cafeteria. And so we get all these parents in there who have, you know, drastically different opinions about things but when we're all working together we find a common ground and we find a way that we can connect even though we have different opinions what thoughts do you have on that i think that's great you know every bit of information every bit of research that we have into diversity not just when we okay when i say the word diversity most people immediately think skin color right or they think gender but the fact of the matter is is equally valuable when it comes to a workplace or any kind of place where you're working toward a common goal, equally valuable to uh, diversity of uh, race, to diversity of religion and demographics is diversity of opinion. And there is so much incredible research into the fact that diversity of opinion, while we don't enjoy it, there's no question about that, that universally we don't enjoy it. And that's not partisan. That's both liberals and conservatives. It makes us better. It makes the quality of the work higher, and it makes us work harder to achieve uh, goals. So it, it's like the, the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down, right? I mean, there's, it's bittersweet. We don't like it, but it makes us better, and it makes the work that we do better. So absolutely, any, any way that you can find to both uh, not tolerate, tolerate is terrible, but to actually accept and welcome different opinions and actually consider them with respect and possibly learn from them. It's going to make you a better person. It's going to make the world a better place in the end. And I realize that sounds sort of pie in the spot, sky. And as a, a journalist of almost 19 years, I'm, I'm way more cynical than that sounds. But I can absolutely say that that learning to listen to diverse opinions and learning to actually learn from them, even if you don't agree with them, is going to make your society, your neighborhood, and your world eventually a better place. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, I love actually talking to people that I disagree with because you really do. You learn something and you learn something about yourself. And so you take people who, I, you know, I have friends who I keep going back to politics, but it's just kind of on the forefront of my mind. But if you have somebody who believes, you know, uh, very intelligent people support Republicans and very intelligent people support Democrats. So it's not one of those things where like, oh, only the ignorant people support this party or that party. You know, that's that was kind of a realization I had is like, wow, this person is incredibly intelligent and they believe this and this person is equally intelligent. And so I like picking their brains saying, hey, why do you believe this? You know, what are your thoughts? And just seeing their perspective, and a lot of it is life experience. 
and you know the things that have impacted them in that way. Yeah, I wish that we could have evidence-based policy instead of emotion-based policy. Right now, it's all basically, you know, the politicians are going to do what they're going to do, and it usually is not in any way, shape, or form related to what what's best for citizens of the country. I mean, I can just tell you that as a journalist. There's all these other things going on, and this is nonpartisan. It's on both sides. They're they're doing stuff that's best for politics. It's not necessarily best for the country. And what I really wish we could work toward is evidence-based policy. If you're if you're thinking of reforming the tax code or if you're thinking of reforming entitlements, take a look at the evidence, see how it's worked. See how changes have worked and and amend your policy that way it would really solve a lot of problems. 100%. Now before we end, I did pick up on a piece that you said earlier is that you said the message that you wanted to relay from your TED Talk isn't the message that a lot of people have taken away. So I want you to take this opportunity here, if you'd like, to kind of, what message did you want to get across? The number one question that I get, um, and I've been giving speeches now all over the world, this isn't just an American problem, but the number one question that I get is about how to change other people's behavior. Um, it's some form of how do I stop someone else from interrupting me? How does some person I know talks on and on and on and on and on? How do I get them to stop talking? It's always about what someone else is doing in conversation. Um, but I'm not talking. Number one, you can't. There's nothing you can do to change someone else's behavior, really, not directly. But the person that I'm speaking to in my TED Talk and in my book is you. And the reason I'm speaking to you is because there's really good evidence that we all rate our conversational skills and especially our listening skills higher than they actually are. So although you can't change someone else's behavior, you can absolutely change your own. And this comes from a place of personal knowledge. The reason I know so much about this subject is because I've made every single one of those mistakes for years and I'm still working on being better. So that is the message. It's it's this is about you. And the other thing I would want to say when it in terms of it, it's about you is that a lot of people think that when you're listening to someone else, especially if you're listening to someone whose whose opinion is different from your own, that we're conferring some kind of benefit on that other person. But again, forget what you're doing for someone else. The benefit, the person who takes the most benefit by listening to someone else, by hearing divergent opinions, is you. And that's not just emotional either. There's a physical benefit. People who are friendly with their neighbors, people who regularly talk to strangers have longer lifespans. They're less prone to depression. They're less likely to suffer a catastrophic cardiac event. Talking to people from all different walks of life is good for you. It's good for you physiologically, neurologically, and emotionally. So, you know, do something nice for yourself <laughs> and and talk to other people and more importantly, listen to them. Uh, talk about a, a diet for the whole <laughs> body, mind and soul, huh? That is. That is right. I, I Yes, definitely. Your book, everyone needs to go out and buy it. It is extremely well written. It's so much research that went into it. And but you found a way to articulate that without making it sound like a textbook and i will tell you on many occasions it made me very mad at myself because i saw all the different <laughs> things that 
that I do wrong. And I'm like, oh, I wish. Yeah, it was it was it was an eye opener. And I've learned so much from it. And like you said, I think it's one of those things that I'm definitely going to continue to learn from. I appreciate it. Where would you send our listeners to learn more about you online? Probably just my website. That's the easiest because I have all the links there. It's just CelesteHeadley.com. And it has all the links to the different places you can buy the book also. But I, I have a blog. I have blog posts there and videos and stuff. And I'll, I'll definitely I'll link that up in our show notes. And the last thing is I do know that you are an exceptional singer. And you put the song <laughs> Spoonful of Sugar into my head for the rest of the day. Do you want to leave singing that or do we just end it here? <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you, Joey. I'm just having it warmed up and I just drank coffee. So <laughs> if you, you put that on your podcast and no one's going to listen. <laughs> oh, I, I doubt that, but I'll let you off the hook this time. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to discuss this stuff with us. And there's so much in here that we can all learn from. And uh, thank you once again. It's my pleasure. Have a great one. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening once again to the Inspire Tomorrow podcast where we want you to learn to lead with purpose today so that you can inspire tomorrow. To learn more about who we are and what we're up to, go to inspiretomorrow.org or feel free to email me at inspiretomorrow at gmail.com. And once you go on to the website, click on the podcast tab and you can see the show notes and more and other episodes that we have. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that way you can get all the up-to-date podcasts as they come out they'll go right into your podcast viewer and once again thank you so much and if you like what you heard please share this with your friends until next time